have to talk about what's going on in the stock market. We are in a full-blown bear market. The Wall Street Journal says the stock market entered a bear market last week as investors took another look at Friday's red-hot inflation data. Guys, they didn't like what they saw. Just in case you missed it, the inflation rate is now 8.6% annualized from month-over-month figures. Guys, this is bad, really bad. If you've been ignoring the signs, you can't afford to ignore them anymore. It's time to take action. Get your money out of the stock market and into a tax-sheltered precious metals IRA with my friends over at Birch Gold Group. Birch are the best in the biz, and that business is securing the value of your hard-earned savings. Birch has a free info kit that tells you all about their offerings and how you can roll over your IRA or your 401k today. It's easy. All you have to do is text Mobley to 989898 to receive your free gift. Text Mobley to 989898. Mobley is spelled M-O-B-L-E-Y. Text Mobley to 989898 before your financial loss is locked in forever. Get ready for the uncloseted conservative hour you've been waiting for. No censors, no fake news, just facts and the freedom to speak them. Friends, if you are still in the conservative closet, I've got one question for you. Why? We've sat in silence. We've been on the sidelines for years. How has it been working out? That's why it's an uncloseted conservative revolution right here, right now. Let's get into it. Thanks for tuning in to The Joe Mobley Show. I am Joe Mobley, your host, the original uncloseted conservative. Guys, The Joe Mobley Show is presented by Birch Gold Group. If white inflation is the problem, Birch Gold is very likely the answer. They've got a free gift for you. All you got to do to get it is text Mobley to 989898 to get your no obligation free gift and get help investing in a precious metals IRA with Birch today. Text Mobley to 989898. If you are an audio listener, you don't see it on the screen. Mobley is spelled M-O-B-L-E-Y. Guys, we got a great show for you today. We're we're talking Russia, Russia, Russia. You saw it in the description. We've got Peter Duran. He's an adjunct senior fellow with the Foundation of Defense of Democracies, recognized as an expert in Russia and Ukraine and transatlantic relations. He literally wrote the book on Russia's rise to oil dominance. Guys, that book is Breaking Rockefeller. You can get it wherever great books are sold. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. You know, Russia's in the news. We're talking about it. Ukraine's in the news. You might have heard of it. Ukraine is a country, okay? Uh, and countries have have borders. Well, not our country, but normal countries have borders. And and a, a border is like like a wall. Uh, well, we don't want a wall, but uh, you you get what I'm saying, guys. We're talking Ukraine. We're talking the flaming dumpster fire that is the U.S. economy. You feel it at the gas pump. You feel it in the grocery lines, guys. All that and more, and it all starts right now. Peter, how are you, my friend? Joe, it's great to be here. Happy to be here, man. Guys, if you're a radio listener, you can actually watch the show. It's on, well, it was on YouTube, but we're, we're down from YouTube. You got to go to Getter. You got to go to Rumble. Uh, you got to go to Locals to see these things. Uh, but if you are a radio listener, thanks. You know, maybe go to the station and let them know that you enjoy the show. But if you want to see our bright, shining faces, you got to go to one of those video platforms. All right. Because I mean, you you got you don't have a face for radio. You've got a face for TV. Uh, maybe maybe we'll start ranking guests. We can get little numbers <laughs> up here. Uh, but when it when it comes to Russia, Ukraine, transatlantic region, uh, you're you're a 10 out of 10, my man. So what 
what is it that people need to know about Russia? Because, you know, my memory serves, it was Russia, 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 all day, every day, 24-hour news cycle. Um, and now, you know, Trump's gone, but somehow, and, and the collusion that existed between him and, you know, him and Putin are pen pals, they're bosom buddies. Uh, but somehow Putin is still running the world and calling the shots, you know, what say you? Well, I mean, aren't we all old enough to remember how we were promised on a daily basis that uh, Congress had the facts, they had the smoking gun, they had the evidence and proof uh, that uh, Donald Trump was a sock puppet of Vladimir Putin was going to be released any minute now. Uh, Joe, I don't know about you, but I'm still waiting for that evidence to be released. And it looks like you know they never had the evidence because it didn't exist in the first place. They're they're going to drop it after the January sixth committee, I'm sure. <laughs> but, you know, has, so Congress has the facts. That just reminds me of when you said that. I'm just thinking like all of these stupid taglines from mainstream media. You know, news you can trust. Democracy dies in darkness. You know, all the facts that are all the news that's fit to print. I'm like, Congress has the facts, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know, Joe. The the more important thing here, though, because uh, we're talking about domestic politics and how. Uh, for partisan reasons, uh, one side of our political debate, the Democrats, uh, essentially operationalized this question of Putin, this question of Russia, and deployed it against Republicans. They deployed it against Donald Trump. And what we now know is that there was a, this was all in nothing burger from the beginning. All right, so set that aside. Let's look at the international system. Vladimir Putin is a very dangerous man. His country is a very dangerous country. And what we've seen since February 24th of this year, when Russia invaded Ukraine, is actually not a surprise to me and to many others, because this is what Vladimir Putin has been doing since at least 2008, since at least the George W. Bush administration, when he invaded Georgia, uh, not the state of Georgia, but the country of Georgia, one of his neighbors. Mm -hmm. And his playbook hasn't really changed. The Russians have been a danger to us all, including the United States, for well on 15, certainly maybe two decades at this point. Uh, the only difference now is that people are finally starting to wake up and realize this. Europeans are starting to wake up and realize, oh, wow, we don't have an army, do we? This is dangerous. We're in trouble. We should actually invest in our own defense. This was what Donald Trump and other Americans like myself had been pushing the Europeans to do for years. And finally, the reality has changed in their perception. Putin has shown the world exactly who and what he is. And he's a very dangerous man. He's committing war crimes in Ukraine. And that should get the attention of every American because it ultimately affects us. So what do you think? So you you wake up one day and it's all over the news everywhere. You know, Putin has invaded Ukraine. What do you think the end goal is? Because from since that point, we're seeing Poland's next. We're seeing uh, World War Three and Chiron's all over uh, the news. We're getting text alerts and in our email boxes. Does he just want to reestablish, you know, the USSR kind of push those borders back out? Is it smoke and mirrors? I, I've had an idea hmm. about it, but I'm curious to hear your take. Vladimir Putin, well, I don't have to speculate because Vladimir Putin just this week told us exactly what he wants to do. Uh, he was giving another self-indulgent interview in which he monologues like a Bond villain for an hour. Uh, it was bizarre and weird. Uh, and he essentially said, I view myself as the new incarnation, the new version of Peter the Great, one of the great czars of Russia. Mm -hmm. And uh, like Peter the Great, I view it as my historic duty to regather all of Russia's lost lands. And Ukraine is central to that. Uh, one of the greatest Americans, uh, Polish American strategists of our time, uh, Zbigniew Brzezinski, once said that Russia without Ukraine is never going to be an empire. Russia with Ukraine is automatically an empire. 
And so here you have a guy like Vladimir Putin who was raised inside the KGB. This was his true family. His true allegiance was, frankly, to the KGB that he saw as the defender of Soviet power and Soviet legitimacy. And through this disfigured training in history, he came to the conclusion that he told George W. Bush and has said many times that Ukraine is not a state. That was his quote to George W. Bush, one-on-one, -on -one, back in Texas. George, you must understand, Ukraine is not even a state. So in his view, Ukraine isn't a country, and he can move in his armies, and that's where it should offend all Americans. What he has done, more than the war crimes, more than the genocide, that's why he Americans, because Vladimir Putin has said, my might makes right. And as Americans, we were founded on the principle that might does not make right. And that's why I think every American should be paying very close attention to what is happening right now in Ukraine. So, you know, thinking thinking of might and paying attention, our, our military is pretty mighty. I, I don't know if they're combat ready. Uh, every generation of veterans says this, oh, back in my day, you know. And I'm sure when I went to basic training, it was less of an intense experience than when my grandfather went. You know, I'll see that, but man... Uh, I look at stuff. I've, I've been to those meetings in the Pentagon and I've seen and heard the woke stuff with my own eyes. Uh, and now, you know, basic trainees are sending out TikToks and all that. But we're, we're doing something that not a lot of people are talking about. And you're seeing, you know, Russia's military operates differently. Uh, generals are in the fight, not in the Pentagon. They're not in the war room and they're not operating drones. They are leading troops out on maybe not the front lines, but the lines, you know, much closer to the action. Uh, and a strange thing kept happening. You know, these these generals are, are dying in battle. Russia's had tremendous battlefield losses of higher uh, ranking military officers. And then come to find out the United States was providing intelligence. Lots of speculation that even if we gave the intelligence to the Ukrainians, they wouldn't have been capable of executing operations on these generals. Lots of speculation. I have no idea. Did they kill him? Did we kill him? Someone killed him. You know, maybe they defected. I don't know. Um, that makes me very uncomfortable that the U.S. is su supplying, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the dollars and cents probably after the break, but providing military intelligence uh, to Ukraine to conduct operations against Russia, do you think that puts us on a potential war footing or not at all? You know, I, I, take, I take the view, not at all. In fact, I think we should be providing more. And I'll tell you why. Because you raise a good point. And this has been discussed many times, and it should be discussed inside the conservative movement. Uh, what are we doing in Ukraine and why? Uh, Joe, ultimately, the issue is this. <laughs> Most uh, of them have no idea. Uh, I know, right? Most of my uh, conservative friends have no idea. Well, you know, right after the war broke out, I wrote a, a piece, uh, got, I published it in the National Interest called The Conservative Case for Ukraine. Uh, and more than this format, if you really want to roll up your sleeves, make a cup of tea, and actually unpack some of the issues, uh, I think that's a great place to start. I think it's a good thought-provoking uh, conversation starter. I'm proud of that piece. But let's let's think about this. Uh, ultimately, as Americans, we understand that we have a right to self-defense, uh, that we have a right to defend ourselves and our family, and we have a right to defend our, our country. Uh, Ukraine has that same right. But here's the twist. We disarmed Ukraine. Back in 1998, Bill Clinton went to the Ukrainians and said, you guys have got a lot of nuclear weapons. You got them once the Soviet Union collapsed. We don't like that. We want you to hand your nuclear weapons back to Russia. And the Ukrainians immediately said, that's a terrible idea, because the moment we do that, Russia could invade us again. Russia has invaded us many, many times. And Bill Clinton, the United States, the Europeans, and the Russians all said, well, Russia has pinky swore that they'll never do that again. And that's sort of shorthand for some long legalistic language that basically said, Russia pinky swears never to invade you, interfere in your country, do everything that Putin has done. Uh, and Bill Clinton said, but don't worry, because if you give up your nuclear weapons, America will protect you should Russia ever attack you in the future. And some might, conservatives might say, rightfully so, well, isn't that your fault, Ukraine, for believing Bill Clinton in the first place? 
Eh, okay, perhaps, but George W. Bush upheld that same commitment. Trump upheld that same commitment. And so now on February 24th, well, the war has been going on longer than that, but when Putin blitzed Ukraine because they had given up their main line of defense, their nuclear weapons on our promise, and they're now trying to defend themselves, I think it is right and proper, perhaps not to send U.S. troops to Ukraine, but it's certainly right and proper for us to do everything we can to assist them in defending themselves after we disarmed them back in the day. So we're going to dive into Ukraine more when we get back from the break. Guys, make sure that you stick with us. The Fed is breathing down the stock market's neck. Investors are unloading risks like you wouldn't believe. Don't take my word for it. Just pull up your investment account and watch your portfolio go down like a fuel meter in a car with a hole in the gas tank. Despite widespread agreement that inflation was not going to happen, Bidenomics has swept the nation and has met one thing and one thing only, out-of-control inflation. Energy costs are up, fuel costs are up, rent, mortgages are up, and gas has risen to heights never reached in our nation's more than 240-year history. Maybe you thought crypto was the answer. Today, crypto is in a full-blown crash, with Bitcoin down 75% from its $68,000 yearly high, setting around $21,000 today. Guys, Forbes says a crypto winter is coming. This is bad, really bad. Before you throw up your hands in utter frustration, grab your cell phone and text Mobley to 989898. Once you do that, help is delivered directly to your phone in the form of a free info kit from Birch Gold. No one knows precious metals investing like the experts over at Birch Gold, and they're standing by ready to guide you through rolling over your traditional IRA or 401k into their tax-sheltered precious metals IRAs. Guys, you got to do this today. Text Mobley to 989898 to learn how. Help is just a text away. Text Mobley to 989898 before it's too late. Listen, I've got thousands and thousands of followers on social media, and maybe you're one of them. Maybe you're on Twitter, Getter, Truth, Facebook, who knows? Maybe you've sent me a message and you never heard back. Maybe you wish there were a more exclusive app where I posted my most personal interactions, did Zoom hangouts and other things with fans of the show. That's exactly what's happening over in my Locals community. Locals is a social media platform you need to join and join today. Locals is the first social media platform built not just for users, but for content creators as well. They know creators like me want to own our content, speak freely, and interact with our audience. Really connect. That's you. Join my Locals community today by downloading the Locals app and searching for Joe Mobley or going to thejoemobleyshow.com slash locals. If you want to experience the internet done right, get exclusive access to content, discount codes, early product launches, and more, join my Locals community today, thejoemobleyshow.com slash locals. So here are some things we know. We know Joe Biden is doing a terrible job as president. We know gas prices are so high, used bike sales have gone through the roof. We know Biden inflation is continuing to drive our economy into the ground. We also know Mike Lindell over at MyPillow makes the best pillows on the market. But I bet you didn't know this. MyPillow has hundreds of products that aren't even pillows. While poor leadership in the White House is causing prices to soar in virtually every industry, Mike and his team at MyPillow are working hard to do just the opposite. In fact, if you go to MyPillow.com slash Mobley right now, you'll see just what I'm talking about. Pillows, bathrobes, sleepwear, and more at record low prices. You worked hard to help Mike defeat cancel culture. Now he's working hard to help you get the best quality products for the absolute lowest price. Go to www.mypillow.com/mobley or type in promo code mobley anywhere on the website. 
Mobley is spelled M-O-B-L-E-Y. Go to MyPillow.com slash Mobley and save today. Welcome back to The Joe Mobley Show. We're talking with our guest, Peter Duran, and he's you know an expert on Ukraine, on Russia, on the transatlantic region. Uh, so when we left, we were just speaking about the the war in Ukraine, and you know you mentioned that you wrote this article, the conservative case uh, for Ukraine, which is something you know. Get his book. It's uh, it's I just forgot the name of it. Uh, Breaking it Rockefeller. Yes, thank you. Get his book, Breaking Rockefeller. Uh, if you want a you know preview of his writing style, then check out uh, his articles. He's all over the internet. Uh, someone that you need to be following. Do you have a Substack? You know, my wife keeps telling me, why don't you have a Substack? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on saying, your wife's team. You should have a okay, Substack. All right, fair enough. <laughs> uh, love you now, Joe. But, you know, I, I, I want to dive into Ukraine because especially we, we have a lot of conservatives. You know, I'm, it's not lost on me that my audience is largely conservative. I really appreciate the independents and liberals that listen to the show. Thanks so much. I read your emails and sometimes your nasty comments. Uh, <laughs> but that's a conversation for another day. In my circles, you know, at church, at, at work, I, there, no one disagrees with me at work. I work by myself. But, uh, um, you know, in my friend groups, there's so much controversy surrounding Ukraine. Um, you know, we're told, you know, uh, there, there's a reason that they were not a part of NATO. It's one of the most corrupt countries in the world. And, and you kind of bring in, we don't have a, a formalized treaty with them, but you kind of bring in that the United States uh, before we left for the break, we've been trading on some social currency, some political capital. And they, you know, after kind of after the Cold War, they gave their nuclear weapons to Russia, which was a tremendously bad idea, um, which you think that a conservative, a two-way, you know, constitution-thumping uh, person would say, mm, disarmament, probably not a good idea, especially when we used to be you know, part of this. That's like after the Alamo, you know, disarming uh, Texans, Texas, which, right? Yeah, it would have gone over pretty well. Uh, but talk to us a little bit more. We spent the first segment on Russia. Talk to us some more about the intricacies uh, in Ukraine, especially some of the things that, because you're having these conversations, uh, that you say to other conservatives to appropriately frame uh, our relationship with Ukraine, because, you know, it's 40 billion, it's 50 billion, uh, it's guns, it's ammo, it's vehicles. Uh, so what what is it that the casual onlooker is missing? Well, you know, ultimately, the big question and the big answer here is Ukraine helps to feed the world. Uh, right now, if you've been to a grocery store, you've seen empty shelves. Even now, there's empty shelves. Things are missing. Food's expensive. Ukraine helps to feed the world. Uh, the United States, we, we feed ourselves. We've got great farmland. We have huge agricultural production. But the United States alone cannot single-handedly feed the world. And so Ukraine plays a critical role in that. Uh, I see on the screen we've got a, a link here to uh, the piece that I, I wrote on the conservative case for Ukraine. And I don't so much talk about why Ukraine matters from raw realpolitik a raw realpolitik perspective, I make the case in this way. I say, look, America is exceptional because we are the only country in the world that knows exactly when and exactly why we were founded. We were founded to protect liberty, and we were founded on the premise that might does not make right. So no king, congress, or bureaucrat can give or take away that your rights because those rights are yours. And we fought a revolution to establish that fact. We are a revolutionary country dedicated to the idea that might does not make right. Ukraine is a revolutionary country dedicated to those same principles. And so in the broad sweep of history, I see Ukraine as a kindred country to us, but that's not enough. And I know that conservatives are really concerned because just look at the Biden administration's track record. When we look at the world and we say, well, you screwed up Afghanistan in a pretty big way, you're screwing up China, you're, you're screwing up Iran, you're screwing up uh, Israel, and now you're telling us that we need to do all of these things in Ukraine, uh, my first question is, I don't believe you. I don't trust you on foreign policy. Okay, that's fair. And the next point that gets raised is, well, uh, isn't Joe Biden and isn't Nancy Pelosi hypocritical? Why are we trying to protect Ukraine's sovereignty if we can't protect our own borders? These are great questions. And my answer is, 
many things can be true at the same time. Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi can be hypocrites. Our borders can need protecting, but Ukraine can also need support from us to defend itself. Now, that doesn't mean sending in the 82nd Airborne and starting a, a war with Russia. Not at all. But it does mean that we have a responsibility after disarming Ukraine. I think we have a responsibility to do everything in our power to help them defend themselves and de defeat Putin. Because if Ukraine loses this fight, if they lose their war of self-defense, then China is going to take notice. And we invite endless conflict. We invite endless wars. And as Americans, we don't want that. So win this war here, help the Ukrainians win this war here, and we can prevent the outbreak of endless wars around the world. As a conservative, I think that is a compelling argument and worth consideration. One of the things that boils my blood uh, is exactly the reality of the argument that you just laid out, something that I've been telling people in, in a little bit of a different way. But it's, it's kind of like that nonsense disclaimer in trading that says uh, past performance is not indicative of future. Right. Past performance is the only thing indicative of future <laughs> success. Right. That, that's how you measure risk. Like, right. duh. The only thing that's ever happened in history when the world is watching cases like this is either the bad actors are going to win, a bad actor is going to win and embolden bad actors, or self-defense is going to win and discourage bad actors. It's the only thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. And somehow, and I'll, I'll niche down to a smaller group. You know, they hate it when I do this, but I call you guys out. I'm, I'm one of you. Christians, I, I have this argument at church probably every Sunday. Mm. This is the only thing that's ever happened. So if Russia steamrolls Ukraine, then China is going to steamroll Taiwan, who, you know, they're training kind of funnily with their airsoft, but, you know, uh, the economy is probably tied over there too. So I understand. Uh, but this is something, you know, do I think that we should commit U.S. troops? No. Uh, do I think it's the end of the world and terrible that we've supplied arms? Uh, no. Do I think that it's questionable that we're providing intelligence? So that's where I get off the the boat. Um, at least I wouldn't use. So I what's your concern on that, Joe? I'm curious. What's what's your concern about the intelligence sharing? My concern with the intelligence is that it's been done through not back channels but front channels. I would have used clandestine services, foreign intelligence agencies, for this if if I were to do it. Um, I wouldn't do it through main channels, State Department channels, or DOD uh, channels because if... For fear of escalation? Yeah. If Putin is, I don't think he's a sociopath, but if he wanted to become vindictive, you know, there's a lot of good... Prop I don't want to make propaganda for someone who could become a very easy enemy. Um, so that's just not, that's not a card I would have freely given. Mm -hmm. Um what, what I've been doing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we've got whole clandestine agencies. Like, this, this is something that's done. Uh, I, I just probably wouldn't have used main defense or state to do it. So Or leak it to the New York Times. Uh, it's, you know, there is it, that. <laughs> there is that. Look, I have no problem uh, helping the Ukrainians. I personally don't have a problem saying your fight is just. Frankly, if ever there was a righteous cause... Uh, I think Ukraine's war of self-defense is one of those causes. Uh, I think if we assist the Ukrainians with intelligence assets that we have, there's nothing wrong with that. Their, their cause is just. Uh, the problem is don't tell the New York Times about it. Uh, and that's basically what was happening. Yeah. We started having leaks to the press, which was mind-boggling to me. But uh, Joe, I, I take your point well. I would, offer, I would offer everyone to consider this. Everyone knows where the Javelin missiles that are killing Ukrainian, uh, excuse me, Russian <laughs> tanks come from. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> yeah. knows where the M777 howitzers and the 30,000 artillery shells that we're shipping to Ukraine on a weekly basis come from. The Russians know these things. <laughs> so it's not like this is a secret. You, you fact, see those, those hellfire shots yeah. in Afghanistan and in Iraq, you know, in the last 15, 16 years. And now you're seeing it. It's like, oh, that, why does that look so familiar? So familiar. 
Yeah. I mean, it's not a secret. And that's new, actually. Um, back during the Lend-Lease era, I wrote a piece on this trying to encourage Congress to adopt the thinking from the past. I called it Lend-Lease 2.0 because this was how America helped the United Kingdom and others when we were not politically prepared to go to war. Okay, that was history. But we went through all of these hoops and 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 charades in order to pretend and have plausible deniability that we were providing material and equipment to the United Kingdom when they were at war with Nazi Germany. Nowadays, the equipment is just flowing across the border and it all is made in the USA. We're not hiding this. So if the Russians wanted to take this bait and say that's escalation, they haven't, which tells me the Russians actually know that it is dangerous for them to try and escalate against us. And this is the point, my last point I would encourage everyone to think about. Putin is using his nuclear card. He's using our fear as a very effective way of deterring us. He's creating fear in our minds as Americans. And what we're doing a a very poor job of right now is creating fear in his mind that he should be more afraid of the United States and our righteous anger than we are of him. That's an interesting take, you know, uh, and for the listeners, if if you're not familiar with what Peter's talking about here, um, the threat of tactical nukes being used has come onto the table and it, it's been kind of shouted from the mountaintops. It was all over the news. I'm, you know, I'm on the treadmill or, well, really I'm on the elliptical because I have bad knees, uh, but I'm on the elliptical at the gym. It's on all six or seven TVs. Uh, Putin threatens to use tactical nukes. And it's, I'm, I'm sitting there in real time. When I first saw it, my initial thought was, this is a useless threat. Don't threaten something where there's a country, the only country that has a history of actually using nukes. Uh, it, it kind of, it kind of seemed foolish to me, you know, like something that like you'd see in a child fight, you know, two little kids fighting. Um, that's a serious escalation. If ever, I have no idea where Biden's at and his faculties and, and General Milley, all the king's horses and all the king's men down there in the Pentagon. I have no idea where their heads are at except for up their butts. Uh, but that's a serious escalation that probably would prompt some type of response. I don't know, from the U.S., from NATO, whatever. Um, but And we're required to, Joe. That's the point. Back in the day, do you think he'd actually do it? And and then go on with your point. Yeah. So I mean, I I don't think it's right that we go and down this rabbit hole into nuclear escalatory ladders. That have me back, Joe, and we'll nerd out on that. But it's important (laughs) to remember this: Um, the way the world works, it doesn't go one equals two equals nuclear equals nuclear war. One plus two equals nuclear war. There are thousands of steps in between that, and. Again, Vladimir Putin, uh, let's say he made the catastrophic decision to do that. We don't have to respond with nuclear weapons. I mean, right now, Vladimir Putin is destroying entire cities in Ukraine, entire cities, without the use of nuclear weapons. Uh, Where we get in trouble as Americans uh, is that we uh, too often are more worried about how the Russians are going to react. We're more worried about variables that we can't control. And instead, we should be focusing on the things that we can control. We can focus on our responses. We can focus on deterring future escalation from Russia. And we can focus on helping provide Ukraine with everything it needs to win its war of self-defense. That is where, as Americans, we typically win. And that is why I'm confident that if we get some of these policies right, and we haven't talked about oil or gas prices yet, but if we get some of these policies on Ukraine and Russia right, we can solve some of the problems we're facing at the pump. All right. So Peter's doing my job for me. We are going into break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about exactly that thing. We're going to be talking about that assault that you feel daily uh, at the gas pump, at the grocery store when we come back. Are you a business looking to expand across the U.S.? 
The Joe Mobley Show offers a unique opportunity to reach out to almost every adult listening group, as everyone is concerned with the cultural issues facing the nation. Media bias, unaccountable government, and on and on the list goes. Every small business is looking everywhere for quality services that your company can provide. There's no national, uncloseted conservative show presented anywhere else in the U.S., and no one else does it quite like me. By advertising on The Joe Mobley Show, your company can reach an audience that no other show touches. I'm Joe Mobley, host of The Joe Mobley Show, and you need to give me a call now at 202-599-0990 to get in on this tremendous opportunity before it's too late. Take advantage and grow your business now or wonder what could have been just a few months down the road. Sounds like an easy choice. Give me a call now at 202-599-0990 for all the details. That's 202-599-0990. Call now. Something you might not know about me is I have sleep apnea. Sleep is obviously an important part of my life. It should be an important part of yours as well. That's why my pillow was an obvious choice to partner with the show. I'm sure you've already heard of my pillow. Heck, you might even have some of these awesome pillows in your home, but I bet you didn't know they sold more. Much, much more, in fact. My pillow has sheets, towels, travel pillows, slippers things that you need to see to believe. Right now, you can get their moccasin or slip-on MyPillow slippers, normally $139.98 for just $49. You've got to use my promo code Mobley or go to MyPillow.com slash Mobley to see all the deals you get with my promo code Mobley, including buy one, get one free Giza Dream Sheets, six-piece MyPillow towel sets, my pillow pillows, bathrobes, and much more. Guys, the sale on slippers is ending soon. Order yours today. Do it right now. Go to mypillow.com slash Mobley or type in promo code Mobley anywhere on the website. Mobley is spelled M-O-B-L-E-Y. Go to www.mypillow.com today. Fear of out-of-control inflation is hammering the stock market. The S&P 500 is having its worst start of the year since World War II. So not only are your savings worth less, you now have less of it. Now might be a good time for you to diversify into gold, the most stable asset in the history of the world. And Birch Gold Group is the company I trust to help you convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold and silver. That's right. Not only will Birch Gold help you fortify your savings with precious metals, they'll help you do it in a tax-sheltered account. Text Mobley to 989898 to get a free zero-obligation info kit on holding gold in a tax-sheltered account. Now, I've got a tiny little car. I used to be able to fill up my tank with a literal 20. You know, mm-hmm. like, give them a 20, fill up my tank. Good to go. Well, why aren't you driving a Tesla, man? I mean, that's what we've been told. <laughs> if you don't like your high gas prices, you know you what? Car. I think a Tesla is a cool car. You know, if I could afford one, I, I'm Dave Ramsey to the max. Okay, I'm, I'm saving to buy a house. I obviously, you know, I recently quit my job. I'm a full time broadcaster now. Uh, Tesla is not in the budget, uh, and even if it were. You know, where do people think that electricity comes from? Like Ben Franklin's not out here with the key and the kite, just, you know, powering all these Teslas. But again, that's another thing to nerd out on. Um, But Joe, I think that's important because it gets to the gas prices. There was a great article in the Wall Street Journal, uh, I think it was last week, very recently, where one of their journalists took a road trip from Chicago to New Orleans in uh, an electric vehicle. And the whole story was ha- what a disaster this trip was because it was practically impossible <laughs> to do so. And the only reason it made financial sense is because gasoline is $5 a gallon or more right now. So when gasoline is $5 a gallon, that makes electricity prices for recharging your EV uh, attractive. 
But if gasoline is $2 a gallon or $2.50 a gallon or $2.60 as it was in November, then why would you be spending all this money on electricity when gasoline is less expensive? Uh, this is the fundamental problem. Again, I said it earlier, I'm old enough to remember. It's kind of a refrain here because so much of the news cycle is happening instantaneously and it's easy to forget. But I'm old enough to remember when Joe Biden said over and over and over again on the campaign trail, we're going to eliminate fossil fuels. We're going to make it nearly impossible to find gasoline. This is the goal of my administration. And in November, we have the energy secretary literally laughing at the question on television, what is the Department of Energy doing uh, to pump more oil in America? And she laughed out loud and she, her answer was, that's a hilarious question. This is the problem. And I, I think there are policy answers to it. But you know what's not one of the problems? Vladimir Putin. He is a scapegoat for this administration's Whoa, you're trying to get my, my show taken down. I, I thought the oil crisis was literally because of Vladimir Putin. This is the first that I'm hearing anything. I don't want to get you in any more jails. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is the scapegoat. We have seen now over a year and a half of policies that were designed to steadily restrict America's oil and gas production. And now that gasoline is expensive, the Russia, Vladimir Putin is the scapegoat. But that's not really the true problem here. I mean, remember, one of the first acts that Joe Biden did when he took office was to eliminate the Keystone pipeline. And ever since then, the administration has been steadily taking steps through regulatory actions uh, and in the courts to essentially prevent uh, the return of America's oil might. Now, free markets are powerful. And I would say if there's a silver lining of good news, right now we're looking at the rig count. So that's the number of rigs in America that are being used to start drilling oil. Uh, that's good. The rig count's going up. Our efficiencies are going up. We're going to have oil, in, more oil and gasoline in about a year, a year and a half, maybe two years. But between now and then, Americans are suffering. And this is not an accident. This was a policy, and that's what should give everyone pause. Yeah, I mean, I remember, you know, what are, what are we talking? Hmm, January 21st, 22nd, uh, 2021, you, everyone was hailing Biden as a champion, these sweeping executive orders, and all you could see on Twitter, all you could see on Facebook was how much of a good thing it was to close down the pipeline and then everyone was jumping down my throat, probably yours, and we're saying, well, let's see in about 12 months when the gas price doubles if it hasn't tripled. Joe, that can't happen. You're being hyperbolic. I, I think the number one thing that I was rebutted with was that's a, was it a straw man or a red herring? Who knows? But here we are. And gas has literally doubled in some places, tripled. And it's not, well, these are the things that happen. Uh, this over $5 national average is the first time in history. Gas has never been this high in the United States. Um, things have never cost as much as, as they're costing. Uh, so I haven't risen the prices of my shirts, but who knows? Maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's coming. You know, my name's Joe too. Maybe we'll bring some Mobleyflation to the, to the Joe Mobley. Yeah, we can't call it Joeflation. I like Joeflation better, but I don't want you to get the blame for that, Joe. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I could see, I could literally see that happening. Now I I like to call it Bidenflation. I don't know why people are calling it stagflation. It's really, truly, you know, Hyperinflation. I, I warn people against you, you. You heard the ads, but I, I warn people against really checking your Fidelity app, or you know, if you're really into it and you like use Think or Swim, I think you should just take a break because you look at the stock charts now. It's causing a lot of anxiety. <laughs> it's causing a lot of anxiety. Don't sell. Honestly, the worst thing people can do is to liquidate their stock accounts now. We've oh. seen this over and over again. Yeah. But as we sort of look towards the, our conversation, uh, I would just stress this. Uh, when, you, when you hear, when you're at the pump and it hurts, just remember there's two causes for this. One is the total amount of oil available in the world. That means Saudi Arabia. 
In the past, America typically went to Saudi Arabia and said, hey, uh, can you pump more oil? And that will lower the overall cost of a barrel of oil in the world. And in the past, Saudi Arabia said, absolutely, we're happy to do you a solid America. This has happened time and time again. Joe Biden has, through his Iran policy, really, really upset the Saudis. He's really upset the Israelis. And the Saudis have said, you know, maybe we don't have to play ball the way we used to. This is what happens when the world sees American leadership as being weak. And if we're going to do one thing to, to address that, we need to res return to a time uh, to a, the, in the past when the world saw American leadership as strong. That doesn't mean we have to invade every country and be involved in endless wars, but we certainly have to stop not only leading from behind, but following in the caboose. This is how we created a more dangerous world. And we need to invert that so that we have a safer, more predictable world. That's the big policy takeaway. I completely agree. This is something that uh, Ben Carson says all the time. When the United States plays its leadership role, the world is a safer place. The world is a better place. The world is a more prosperous place. That's what, not a globalist here, guys, but that's what projecting power and influence, that's what military dominance, that's what uh, you know, your currency being the internationally traded currency, that's what all of that stuff is about. You know, statecraft, statesmanship is a thing for a reason. And and I really think that conservatives need to get on board with this message because, you know, we we hold up the founding fathers. Not only were they students of history, but they were very skilled, very learned statesmen. And Frankly, the grasp of these geopolitical issues that I hear from uh, peers, that I hear from those in, in my circle when I'm at church, when, you know, back when I used to go into an office, it's not satisfactory. And if we're going to turn things around, if we're going to propose solutions that work, we have to have a better understanding of how these things actually work. We, ha we have to have a better understanding than you know, get Trump back in office and executive orders will save the republic. Hmm. Except that's not how a republic works. Absolutely correct. I couldn't have said it better, Joe. All right. So I got, if you're, if you are a visual listener here, I got Peter's book up here because I just realized that I uh, hadn't brought it in. Again, that book is called Breaking Rockefeller. Um, so, you know, we can't, we, we got a couple of minutes left. We can't, speak about these issues without uh, the significance of, of what's culturally going on in the United States. It's almost like you have to fight through a lot of nonsense to get to uh, speak about the price of oil or what's going on in, in Russia and Ukraine. Uh, we got just under five minutes, but how, how do you think that we can start to make progress? And, you know, we're, we're calling it a culture war. I think, I think it's fair to call it a culture war. Uh, but how does that play into what's going on here? Joe, let me answer that by taking a lesson I learned on the campaign trail. Uh, I got to actually meet, I think you've met them as well, uh, the Loudoun County moms and dads, right? So these were the moms and dads who got put on a blacklist because uh, they wanted to stand up to protect their parents. And they inspired me. And that's, I think, the big takeaway uh, that all of us should remember. They were unafraid. And, but being unafraid is not enough. They trained themselves. They started to train themselves never to say something that they didn't believe, never to be silent if you know, they, yeah, and never to be forced to, to say and, and commit to something that they didn't believe. Now, that doesn't mean that all of us should go out and light our hair on fire for the First Amendment, for sure. It's important to pick an issue. And when you act, Make sure you have your friends and your colleagues and other neighbors around to support you as you take action. But I, I think that what we saw in starting in Northern Virginia and other places around the country through the parents' revolution to protect their children, what we saw there uh, should be a model for us all because that demonstrates when you are courageous, when you're careful, and when you train yourself, you can accomplish great things for our country. Oh yeah, courage uh, begets courage, and I, you know, at the time when some ever everywhere between COVID and George Floyd, I was at Accenture at the time, and it it didn't seem like 
you know, it, it seemed like it wasn't a safe place. Nothing against Accenture. I think it's an incredible firm. The leadership there is incredible. Um, but people were afraid to, you know, say this. Everything was kind of a whisper and a wink and a nod. Uh, and guys, that is not the sign of a thriving, whether you want to call it a republic or a democracy, when you can't share your thoughts, your opinions, your beliefs freely without fear of being run out of town, fired, uh, you know, your bank closing your account, that is bad. So, uh, you know, courage begets courage, exactly that. It, it used to be army of moms, and then there, there started to be some mad dads. I'm, I'm happy that I got to be one of the first mad dads. Uh, not as popular as Brandon Michonne, though. You know, yell, figure it out to uh, the school board, and uh, you, you launch well. in the fame. Uh, but we, and of course, Ian Pryor, uh, fight for schools. We... These are the heroes, man. I mean, this yeah. is really where we're, if we're going to save our country, uh, it's not going to be, be, ultimately, it's not going to come from the top. It's going to, the culture is going to change from the bottom up. And, you know, I agree that uh, this is, this is how we're going to do it. And I, I think those heroes that you mentioned uh, could show the, and I hope inspire others uh, to do the same. Awesome. All right. Well, we've got just under a minute. Uh, tell people how they can connect with you and uh, just a final thought. Uh, Peter Duran. Well, Joe, it's been a pleasure. Uh, yeah, go to, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter B. Duran. Uh, and you can also go to uh, find Breaking Rockefeller, uh, the amazing story of the upstarts and underdogs who toppled an oil empire. Uh, wherever fine books are sold. Uh, and Joe, I wanted to say, man, you were one of those heroes as well. You, were, Like I said at the start, you were, were helping to advance parents' rights before it was cool, man. Thank you, actually. Thank you. <laughs> before it was cool. All right, guys. Well, that's uh, the show. It's the Joe Mobley Show. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to Birch Gold for putting on today's show. Guys, Get their free info kit. Text Mobley to 989898. That's Mobley to 989898. Again, thank you to MyPillow for being a sponsor of the show. Guys, if you want to save with some America First products, uh, you got to go to MyPillow.com slash Mobley. Or if you just find yourself on MyPillow's website, uh, then use promo code Mobley at the checkout. You can get up to 66% off. And you really need to do it today because Mike Lindell and MyPillow have been canceled again. Uh, Walmart just announced that they're kicking them off the shelves or kicking them out. Uh, so you can't get MyPillow products at Walmart anymore because Walmart, uh, well, they're communist. Uh, so again, thanks for watching the show. Guy. Thanks for listening to the show. And uh, I'm going to hang out with Peter for just a couple more minutes on, well, not YouTube because... They kick me out. YouTube prison, uh, man. Uh, yeah, but on <laughs> on Getter and Rumble. So that's all we got. All right. Well, that's a radio wrap. Um, I'm I'm gonna keep you for a couple more minutes, and this ad's not playing, so I can stop this clock. Um, man, I wish I could get some of these apps to be sponsors. They're like apps that I couldn't live without. Uh, huh. Yeah, but. You know, a lot of the visual audience is is Virginia centric. So right. uh, I I gotta ask, you were one of the guys, and and a lot of times now, um, the people throwing the man in the arena is a woman. You know, it it's mm -hmm. uh, it's Alicia Andrews running for Congress in the tenth. Um, it's uh, Winsome Sears, who's our incredible lieutenant governor. A national hero. Can we all agree? Oh, yeah. Is a national hero to watch her push back. It, it's inspiring to me. I she came back as like girl on fire. She went and visited Lynchburg, and I, I told you in the green room. You know, Lynchburg is near and dear to my heart. She went and visited Lynchburg, got a a snapshot of the education situation there, and when she came back. Her speeches, her passion, like she was literally on fire. I, I think that was like the moment where she just willed um, herself to win the election. <laughs> and, um, but you know, can I, I tell a quick Winsome Sears story oh, for yeah. Virginia fans here? Because, uh, and for other fans uh, or people who care about freedom in America, you know, Winsome Sears is the first black lieutenant governor in the Commonwealth of Virginia. 
that's historic. And not because she checks a block, uh, uh, checks a box, uh, but because she's a fighter. Uh, and um, I'll share this personal anecdote uh, because, you know, as you know, I'm a recovering politician, having run for governor of Virginia. Very glad to see Glenn Youngkin uh, as our governor now, fully endorsed him and supported him uh, in the prime, in the general election. Uh, but it was the final moment, the final hour of the Republican primary season. Uh, and we were in Fairfax County in this giant parking lot. Maybe some of your Fairfax viewers remember that vote. And um, it was me, my wife, my dog, Psyche, Winsome, and she had one campaign staffer. And we were exhausted. And we had finished the trail for the primary. And there was this moment of relief. We No, no one knew, knew who was going to win. Winsome didn't know if she was going to get the nomination or not. And I got to see her every single week on the trail. And I can tell you this, what she says is genuine. She's the real deal. She's the genuine article, and she's not afraid. And there was this great moment where uh, we could set all the politics aside and we could just be human beings at the end of a long adventure. And her new adventure was starting. And I can tell you, I am so proud as a Virginian uh, and as a Republican uh, to have her as our Lieutenant Governor. So uh, good job, Winsome. I, I got to tell a Winsome anecdote too. I, um, I got to open for her. She was speaking at Patrick Henry College Okay. And it's so interesting. I got to sit at the, the dinner table with her and her husband, Terrence, and it was really an incredible experience. But I will never forget, the, there are so many different brands of politicians, you know, and, and how they brand themselves. And there's a large religious block in the United States, and it, it's Christians, tons of different denominations. Um, so there are a lot of platitudes, you know, you hear from Joe Biden all the time, you know, two Corinthians kind of thing. Um, but Winsome sat down and everyone's got their, everyone's got their, uh, you know, their notes. They've either got posted notes or note cards sticking out of everywhere or a bunch of papers and paper clips. And Winsome had this huge Bible. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just kind of sitting in front of her. And all of her speech was like, was like notes in the Bible, some of it just for her to draw encouragement from, some of it she read. And it was someone brought up after that, you know, while everyone was kind of schmoozing in the room, this person probably in their early 50s, that they couldn't recall a time ever seeing a politician act in that way. Uh, and again, it's just, it's like hyper-authentic. Um, which is just interesting. It, there's truly, truly something different uh, about Winsome Sears. And I think that this is just the beginning uh, for her. I'm not sure. I'm not fully brushed up on my constitution or U.S. code. I don't believe she can be president. I don't think if you're born in one of the uh, territories that you can. But I'm not sure. Uh, who the heck knows? I don't. Um, uh, but... Yeah, I, I think a Governor Sears down the road would be pretty awesome. Uh, Senator. She's the real deal. She's yeah. the real deal. And you, you talked about uh, her sharing her faith. I saw it all the time. Uh, sometimes people on the trail would say, well, are you a Christian? And, you know, of course, uh, it's a good question. I am. Uh, but And we would talk about our faith. Uh, but Winston Sears, when she spoke, you, you, you know how sometimes when you hear a politician, you're like, okay, well, that was a good line. They memorized it. They delivered it well. When yeah. Winsome speaks, you, you, you know you're talking with a real human being who, who, is, who sees her role in life as serving the public, and she's not going to mm -hmm. take any gruff from anybody. Uh, and even if you steal her gavel, uh, she's going to take her shoe off and gavel in the legislative process with her own shoe. I mean, God bless Winsome Sears. Virginia is better because she is uh, helping to lead our commonwealth. So I want to talk to you about your choice to run because I, you know, I do want to be about action. I do want people coming out of the conservative closet or really whatever closet that you're right. in. You know, you got to be able to share those thoughts, those opinions, and those beliefs. Um, so I'm asking people to become precinct committeemen. I'm asking people to get involved with their local committees, with local government. I'm asking people to run for stuff, run for hyper-local stuff. You know, here we've got boards of supervisors, we got 
you know, Leesburg's got a town council, uh, school boards all over the place. So many people are deathly afraid of running. What was it that kind of pushed you over the edge? And 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 what do you say to people to be like, look, you got to do something. You got to be an activist. You got to go to the meetings. You got to run for something. Like, what is your message for those people? My, uh, I was, uh, my entry into politics occurred when I looked down at my ballot in Arlington County. And for those who may not know, uh, Arlington County is a deep, oh, deep, gosh. deep blue county. It's one of the bluest counties in the country. I often joke that uh, at right now we live in Stafford County, Virginia, near Fredericksburg, but I often joke that my wife and I constituted 50% of the Republicans in all of Arlington County. Uh, and I had a blank ballot. There was not a single Republican to vote for on my ballot. Uh, and wow. uh, can you imagine that? And I went home and I, I said to my wife, something's got to change. I mean, this is not an election if you don't have anyone to choose to vote for. That's a communist election, frankly. Uh, and I know I have a background in how the communists used to run elections. There was red comrade and blue comrade, and they were all the same comrade. Uh, it, that's not a real election. And so I realized, okay, we've got to do something. We've got to mobilize Virginians of all walks of life uh, to stand up and run for office, to run for House of Delegates, to run for, for those local slots, because the, the left does this to us all the time. And even if the odds are long, the left says, all right, well, 10 years from now, uh, we're going to turn this red district blue, and we're going to do it by losing four elections in a row. But through those losses, we're going to build up the voter rolls. We're going to get to know the voters. We're going to calibrate our message. And at the fifth cycle, 10 years from now, we're going to flip this district. And Republicans, oh, yeah. we, we look at a district and say, oh, well, that's a blue district. I guess we lost. Look at what we did in, in this last gubernatorial election, in this last statewide election. Republicans were told, I was told, a Republican can never win in the Commonwealth of Virginia again. And I knew that was wrong. But I also knew if I was going to encourage others to run, I, I couldn't just lead from behind. I had to do it myself. And so I wanted to bring in some winning ideas. I wanted to talk about uh, conservative values. I wanted to have a positive vision uh, for Virginia's future. Uh, and I'm very proud to say uh, I see that vision now in the great work that uh, Governor Youngkin is doing. Uh, and I'm very glad to see him slashing taxes, protecting school choice, and standing up for the rights of parents. And I'm glad to see Jason Meares stand up for the rule of law, which is what we should be doing uh, if we're going to have a government in the first place. So uh, we, we showed America that, it, that change could happen if you get involved. You know, I'm I'm glad that you bring Youngkin into it because there, there are a couple of things, and I, I'm not just an argumentative person. I don't shy away from a conflict, but sometimes you hear these things and they're just, they're just tragically false. You know, they're just so misguided. It's like, you can't help but to say something. And Glenn Youngkin is an awesome governor. He's exactly, you know, he's doing all of the things that we need done in Virginia. Is he Donald Trump? No. Is he Ron DeSantis? No. Would either of them have gotten elected here? No. And and what they need there, what, what was needed at the national stage in 2016 uh, was for a lot of things that have been revealed to be revealed. That's that's what we needed. And what we need in Florida is DeSantis. And, and I'll say it because I'm kind of on this kick already. I don't think DeSantis should run for president. Uh, I, I think that that is a, a powerful bullet that we shouldn't burn yet because if he's president, then he's, you know, he resigns himself to taking pictures and signing books and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, and he can have a brilliant political career ahead of him. I know you GCs, stop calling me, stop texting me. Uh, my campaign manager friends, I know that he's got this moment right now in the spotlight. And that's when you go. I think if he keeps his nose clean and continues to do good work, he can stretch his moment, okay? I, I hear you, but Glenn Youngkin is doing, he's doing a lot of things that he promised on the campaign trail. He's doing more than he promised because things have been revealed to him. You know, I was there and Elizabeth Schultz sat in his face and said, hey, this election is gonna, he was on one track. She said, this election is gonna come down to parents' rights, to child safety and to education, education outcomes. And 
I don't know what went on in the campaign, but the messaging did change eventually. And now uh, the policy coming out of the governor's office is in support of exactly those things. Glenn changed, though. I mean, yeah. think back as a Republican. And again, I say this as a big fan of Glenn. Uh, I got to know him well on the campaign trail. Uh, uh, he is one inch taller than I am. And we talked about that one as well. Uh, so he's, <laughs> you know, he's a tall guy. Uh, but, you know, when Glenn and I mean, there was eight of us, I think there was a ton of candidates initially. Uh, but when Glenn started, he had one kind of campaign, and he was running a traditional Republican campaign, and, and bully for him. Uh, you, when you talk to voters, when you listen to what is concerning to them, uh, you have to respond. And what we were all hearing week in and week out on the trail uh, was that parents were really, really upset uh, about what their kids were being taught. Uh, people were upset with how the economy was going. Uh, they were upset with education. I mean, the you know, it's a shock, but the secret to doing well in politics is to listen to your voters and not talk down to them. And, and I think that the, the success of the Republican Party across the board, uh, from Glenn to Winsome to Jason, uh, the trifecta occurred because Republicans listened and we changed the script. And we were no longer these wishy-washy Republicans who were more concerned about what the Washington Post was going to say about us. And we were our main concern was what voters thought about us. And I think that is what Ron DeSantis is doing. Uh, Trump certainly set the model. He was a fighter. And I'm seeing this reflected across the country. It started in Virginia. And that's why I'm very proud to be a Virginia, a Virginian, and to be a Virginian Republican. Oh, man, same. I, when I got out of the Army, we could have moved anywhere. I'm like, nope, I'm in Virginia, and we're going back to Virginia. You know, the Republic's on fire, but the Commonwealth is also on fire. Uh, so, you know, we could go for hours, but that would not be good for my bladder uh, because I, I have a, my listeners know, I have a baby bladder. So uh, I, I used to tell people at work, it didn't matter who the general was or who the agency director was. I've got a two-hour meeting limit, uh, and then I'm walking out to use the bathroom. Uh, so, guys, Yo, thanks you've been so much. Great. Thank you. Thank you. You've been great. This Peter. has been a blast. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, we will definitely have you on again. Guys, it's the Joe Mobley Show. It's Monday through Friday at, at 10 a.m. It's one day, Monday through Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Go and follow Peter. His links are down below. We'll have the link to his book, Breaking Rockefeller, which you need to buy, read, and understand. Tell your friends about. We'll have the link to that below in about an hour. Uh, Peter, thanks so much for joining, man. Thank you, Joe. Talk soon. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.